Welcome to Cool Your Takes, the show where your friendly friend hosts will guide you through some hot, hot takes, explain why they are so, so spicy hot, uh, and how you can potentially have some cooler takes in the future with me, as always, is uh, famous FLQ reply guy, Chase Clark. Tracy Bond, guys, it's, it's good to be here. <laughs> Watch for that guy slipping into your DMs. Um, and God, uh, kill I, me before I do that. <laughs> I am a, of, <laughs> I am of course uh, first of his name, breaker of chains, builder of pipelines, and uh, shoveler of dirt. Keith Johnstone, the man on the ground doing God's work for all of us Albertans, no matter where we are. It's good to have you here, Keith. Absolutely, God's God's plan. Um, now, speaking of God's plan, uh, I think it's been like what a uh, a week a week since our newest newest boy has gotten in in charge, took the reins. Oh, oh, it's been longer than a week. It's been it's been a solid like eleven days now. No long. Mm, yeah, I actually don't remember. I've been like so completely mind fucked since this goddamn election. Like my brain has just turned to pudding, so I've got no comprehension of time. But yes, the boy is in. The round man, the gorgeous Jason Kenny. And 11 days, 11 days of Jason Kenny means, well, let's see here, let's uh, do some just quick This is uh, the conservative math. version of 500 days of summer, but like, <laughs> even worse. <laughs> 11 days means we've got at least 11 jobs um, coming back. <laughs> One job a day. To the front. they back, baby. They're back. I've been very confused by this boy because, like, he keeps on talking about, like, oh, you know, we're not going to turn the pipes off on BC. That's very mean. Why would you ever think we did that? To literally being like, oh, no, oil? They're not getting any of that shit. Like, make up your fucking mind, buddy. Like, if you're going to go all the way. Well, you know, Rachel Notley did, she made a little bit of a mistake in the transition here. She left the big tap um, that's labeled oil. Uh, visible in the in the office and she could Rachel. have at the very least painted it over with like a pastoral scene maybe put, put it put behind like a, like a little piece of paper that says don't look behind me just like a, a slight like maybe a succulent or something some sort of like table plant that would have like obscured it for a moment or so like girl rachel yeah it would have been easy enough it's a oh, rookie mistake now before we get into uh into our our selected takes um you you may actually we didn't uh discuss what our takes would have been not that we get into much detail uh in other cases with them beforehand but uh have you heard about the uh the walkout that occurred well today as of this recording it occurred today in some high schools around alberta yes no this is separate from the climate strike this was the gsa like uh walkout related thing right yes 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 gsa walkout in alberta high schools um several hundred uh high schoolers uh initially at least i heard about this before it had actually occurred and at that point Mm. several hundred had agreed yes we are going to do this um and in response to uh the well the kind of planned treatment of gsa's by the kenny uh, government yeah just a real reversal of the protections that have been laid out by the ndpa during their mandate it's it's and they've just been 
playing it so badly, just, you know, talking about how they weren't going to, like, at all legislate on it, and then coming out in the election as being like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll go back to how things were beforehand, effectively, like, stripping some of these protections that LGBTQ students have. So it's, it's really, it's good to see this type of support that we're, that we're seeing in, in Alberta and cities. I think in like Edmonton and Calgary, I saw a couple high schools, uh, students protesting. Um, but it's just like, God, Kenny, <laughs> what, in what world is this like a good idea? In his world. I mean, we, we talk quite a bit about his, uh, his past. His I think this, this is extremely in character. I think he's being yeah. a little bit, um, held back <laughs> in how he would normally perhaps act oh, with this. For sure. For sure. He's trying to be uh, premier material at this point. He's trying to impress the the, the parents. Uh, he's he's at the he's at the home of the of his of his lover Alberta. The parents are there, and he's trying to impress them. He is his... doing a wonderful job. His his suit jacket is just a little too small for him, but you know what? That looks endearing because you know <laughs> exactly. what? He's just he's just a young buck. Now trying to, trying to make a splash failed uh transition um speaking of young bucks nope nope that's not gonna work uh, i just wanted to mention how it's interesting the um i believe it was it was the the cbe Cal- calgary board of education's response uh, to okay. the walkout was uh, we won't prevent anyone from going but if they do go it'll be count counted as an unexcused <laughs> absence so they won't prevent that's... anyone from going but oh, if you go... But it counts against you. It will count against you, and as per the protocol of unexcused absences, your parents will be notified. So if you are attending this protest because you are going to get like certain confidentiality around GSAs taken away, you will be outed to your parents. Cool. Yeah, that's just very classic CBE. Like it's it's just the the bureaucracy of it all. Of like, oh yeah, we won't stop you because of course they can't stop you, but you know protocol applies. So of course they're going to call your parents and be like, uh, James Smith was absent today <laughs> at twelve forty five in the fucking creepy robot. Yeah, the voice. robo voice. Yeah, I got that a few times. Um, and the uh the robo voice will come in and then. Yeah, it's just a political protocol. Nothing they can do. Sorry. What can you do about it? It's it's just you know we support our students, uh, and their their interest in politics, but we do ask that they do it on their own time and not school time. And if you don't, oh. we will out you as a leftist freak to your parents. Okay, so uh, Kenny was meeting with with my new best friend my future best friend um future bff the alive ford whose name i can remember um and it is and doug yes (laughs) you're getting so much better at knowing who's alive and dead (laughs) um so he was visiting this like we should, sorry, we should get you on like a recap of like Game of Thrones of like who's alive and dead at any given moment. Uh oh gosh, I I think um D- Doug Ford is in the Iron Bank and uh, he's taking a loan <laughs> out right now. <laughs> uh anyway, okay, so Kenny was visiting with his best friend. They were having a little slumber party. Um, Doug insisted on taking the top bunk, even though he's so much bigger than Jason, and Jason thought that was kind of unfair, but it also let Jason get That's up pretty... uh, for a midnight piss, which he is wanting to do. 
<laughs> but Jason <laughs> Kenny uh, was asked about this walkout um, as he was like leaving a meeting with Doug and said literally mm-hmm. that what what you said you great for my Alberta students being politically active. Yeah, don't yeah. do it though, and also don't do it on school time. Hey kids, don't protest in a way that's noticeable. That's bad. I, I just like to point out that a conservative politician has never suggested that people don't protest, and this is very original and never been done before. It's very creative, and I'm very happy for him. I think all conservative <laughs> politicians have been consistently pro-protest. This is, you know, you can just see it all the time. <laughs> this, this reminds me. Did you, I think I sent this to you. <clears throat> the uh, So it was just recently May Day. Yeah, And there were some very excellent protests going on around around the, the country. And one of them was um, uh, this group of guys brought a guillotine to Queen's Park in Toronto, like in front of the legislature. Oh, damn. And it was it was really excellent. It was just like a little like dinky uh, guillotine. And yeah. they were like, yeah, like rich people go here or whatever, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and what is, oh, fuck, I don't have it up. But Doug Ford just like lost his shit being like, what kind of world do we live in where where uh, we'll allow communists to to dis- defile our our par- parliaments, and I think Kenny did the exact same thing because there was there were a couple communists at the at the Alberta legislature too. Yes, and I saw like, that. Really, it was like really upsetting to see uh, communists whose whose policies killed millions in the nineteenth and twentieth centuries. And he was specifically upset about the fact that it was the the uh, the hammer and sickle. The hammer and so, sickle. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, oh, that's oh, that symbol really gets my goat says jason kenny having definitely never taken part in anything involving mass death no no <laughs> and uh yeah damn the guillotine thing probably more like doug ford was really upset that they didn't think to get the extra wide neck hole version exactly he's just like this is unfair this is this is uh this is oh no i've got nothing <laughs> sorry <laughs> I, I appreciate the attempt trying to keep the bit going it's okay. You can you can edit that out, right? Oh yeah, right? yeah. I'm editing it out right now as we oh, speak. Oh good, yeah. Put put a mark there. Hey, speaking of editing, do you want to get to the first take? I don't no, know. No, I, I will. But first, I want to talk about um, which people, if if they're listening, have probably saw the uh, the new poll from Angus Reed. I just want to talk about this super quickly because it's kind of hilarious and, and in line with this. So because we've been talking about these like buffoonish men um, who are like in charge of like all the conservative governments around both, the country right now. Both conservative. Yeah, yeah. So we've got we've got Dougie. We've got we've got Jason. We've got. Uh, uh, Bri, Bri, Mr. Lovely Brian Pallister from Saskatchewan, who we'll get into later. Uh, oh, Scott will so all these, all these Ooh, lovely little hints. Um, yeah, yeah, all these lovely little men who are like riding this conservative resurgence in Canada. And Angus Reid came out with a poll today that shows pretty much exactly that. Like, oh, it looks like a complete collapse of like Liberal Party support. So Conservative Party is up at thirty eight percent, and then the Liberals are way down there at 25 uh yeah. just beating out the new the ndp at 18 yeah this oof. is just like big oof. This, is, this is embarrassing <laughs> this is like this is what you get by running the country on like middle of the road technocratic bullshit and like letting every like actual progressive policy that you have like completely fall by the wayside and then you have the ndp who have also like essentially been poisoned by this technocratic middle of the road like, oh. third wayism, yeah, like no like, real policy. 
No, no, exactly. They've been doing a little bit better recently, so there's been some decent stuff coming up, but there's, there's just absolutely no momentum, and it's really discouraging. Small green li- uh, sil- green lining, ooh, wow. Silver lining to this <laughs> poll is that the Green Party is uh, sticking up there with 11%. Yeah, green um, lining, Elizabeth May lining her pockets, as we will see. As we will see, yeah. Well, the thing with the Green Party of Canada is, like, some people have referred to them in the past as essentially just Tories on bikes. In other words, that they're just fucking, like, conservatives who, like, care a little bit about the environment. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see when this election comes for. I mean, they, they had this fucking ad out a few days ago about after PEI made their big, like, ups, like, crazy win of minority, no, official opposition in PEI, where they came up with an ad saying, not left, not right, but forward. Oh, and where have Which we heard just, that before, yeah, where, folks? Where have we heard this before, exactly? So it's that's disappointing. But, I mean, we'll see in the election if they actually, you know, have ideology or have policy because this is like a level of support for the green party that's really never been seen before uh at least federally so yeah Yeah. we'll see yeah and i'm gonna get into like a big part of what i'm going to talk about is that you kind of can't be um centrist like radically centrist if you're going to be serious on the environment anyway um personal curiosity so Liberals were down to what well, you said, like eighteen on the on the poll. Twenty five. Twenty five. So, <clears throat> yeah. Do you know what what their number was like for the election? Like how what, how big oh. a drop are we talking? So this is just one poll. So yeah, trying to put this <clears throat> in context. To, you have to keep it with a grain of salt. Like yeah, polls have had like recently a lot of like movement and whatnot. Um, the Liberal Party of Canada won thirty nine point four seven percent in the twenty fifteen election. Ouch. It was a massive win, a swing, an upward swing of over 20 points. So 25 is rough. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's like exceptionally bad. rough. Yeah, yeah. So if, if Trudeau keeps like this shtick going of being bad at politics, uh, we can probably see, I don't know, I'm not a political scientist or a pollster or anything like that. I don't have, I don't have my finger on the pulse of, of, <laughs> Canadian uh, opinions, but you're at least watching to see if they're breathing, unlike me. Yeah, I, I check it every now and then, just be like, "Oh, doesn't does it reek in here?" No, already still alive. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we'll see. I'm. I think this is a trend that we're going to see more of. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make a. I'll make my first prediction. Oh. I. I think that the Liberal Party is going to stay around thirty percent. Ooh, if not so a they're bit lower. Yeah. Okay. That's. I think that's kind of a yeah. bold. A bold prediction. I think, then that would that would basically ensure the um, the sheer necrophagy regime uh, to continue with the dead body. (laughs) Exactly, float to victory as like a fucking dead body full of noxious gas. It's beautiful floating down the river. We Uh, love it, folks. It's it's that perfect Saint Lawrence tableau. Uh, Oh god! No, no, we need more concrete boots for that one. All right, all right. So you've got a collection of 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 things for us to right now. From what I hear, you've got you've got some uh, some bad opinions that you want to share. Yes, yeah, yeah. So um, kind of a passel of uh, a herd of bad ooh, opinions, ooh, if you will. A murder. Because, well, we'll stick with a herd because we're talking <laughs> about caribou. 
That's right, folks. Those sweet, sweet horned lads and ladies that you'll find on the back of every 25-cent piece here in Canada, the caribou. We love them. We eat them. We look at them in zoos. Quick, quick um, little interjection. Is it bad that I always thought that was a moose? On on the coin, on the, on the quarter. quarter. Yeah. Yeah, that is yeah. bad. Yep. Yep, that's <laughs> right. pretty bad. I just, wanted to, just wanted to get that out there. It's, uh, my degree wasn't in zoology. All right, all right. So when you're looking at a caribou, sure, okay, they do have some very large palmate hand-like branches of the antler towards uh, the, the anterior end. But what they don't have is that big, beautiful spread, um, and they have actual points, uh, as you may uh, know. In fact, uh, I encourage listeners to pull out a quarter right now, yeah, please. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Google quarter. Look, look at a quarter. Is some, <laughs> okay. So that was a bunch I'm of bullshit. Get, I'm uh, just getting a fucking queen. Oh, oh here get we go. her out of there. Get her in the guillotine. Oh yeah, very different. They look much cuter than moose. Yeah, and the it's a it's a very iconic animal, uh, and we we want to keep them around not only because yeah. of that. I'll get into other things, but basically, so what what's happened over the past? This is several several years, decades, in fact, um, in the making. Uh, there is a particular subspecies of caribou that lives in uh, northern Alberta, uh, Saskatchewan, BC. Uh, I think even into Manitoba. Um, they're in the boreal forest that we call them woodland caribou, oh, and uh, from the woods. Yeah, yeah, they live in wooded land, and and they love it in there. And uh, so they're a little bit less um, migratory than a lot of other species, uh, subspecies of caribou. So mm-hmm. they'll, they'll uh, be in much smaller groups, and they and they stay in the same place uh, year round. So useful animal, first mm-hmm. of all. Uh, there's a massive, massive history of indigenous people making use of caribou for basically everything. You know, it's um, the the equivalent in the north of, of the bison of the Great Plains. You you got this mm. incredibly useful um, antler, sinew, pelt, meat, fat, like everything in this animal can be used and yeah. is used. But as, uh, as that white devil uh, came out west, we started uh, messing things up. And it's reaching kind of a breaking point here in Alberta, but also in BC and Saskatchewan. So, oh, really? That's where our story starts. Re- as yeah. as we speak. Yes, as we speak. <clears throat> so, there uh, there's a lot of environmental legislation uh, that kind of overlaps here in Canada. Like we are part of um, like the IUCN, International Union of uh, Conservation. I forget what the N stands for. It doesn't matter. Um, so that's that's like almost like a UN style organization for conservation. Then we have things like the Migratory Bird Treaty Act between us and the U.S. But in this particular case, we're looking at a national, a federal law called SARA. It's the Species at Risk Act. So okay. SARA looks at Canada animals, Canadian exclusive animals, and evaluates if they are in danger. So that's why I'm specifying woodland caribou, because they are a subspecies, it's a specific population, and according to SARA, our, our federal legislation, but not according to other environmental legislation, they are threatened. Caribou are incredibly, uh, this is like the difference, so the caribou are very, very, very Populous. There's a, just a ton of them um, in Scandinavia, in Russia, uh, in yeah. Greenland, in Alaska. 
but the populations that we find in Alberta, in BC, in Saskatchewan are crashing and burning. And that should matter. It should matter. But, you know, if you're looking on a species-by-species basis, it's not like we're going to lose all the caribou. It's just these ones. Mm -hmm. So that's where Mm. we hit some hairiness. I'm sure you might be able to already see where this is going. Oh, yeah, I think think I'm already ahead of you. But let's let take me there. So these these woodland caribou live in boreal forest regions, and those regions are also incredibly valuable for resource extraction industries. So yep. here in Alberta, that's both forestry uh, and um, hunting and, and agriculture, but primarily oil and gas. In Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. it's forestry, um, a little bit of mining, but mostly forestry. Uh, and in BC, it's... Oh god, I don't even know why they're losing their caribou. They they are. <laughs> Blame it on the pine beetle. Yeah. Actually, you can. Um, oh, all right. yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I guess I guess I should let's get into a little bit of the nitty gritty of this. So the caribou aren't disappearing because we're killing them. The caribou aren't really disappearing because uh, the forests are disappearing. Most of Alberta is still fully forested, um, but it's. The, we're, we're creating a bunch of lines through the forest. Uh, some of these lines have pipe in them, though not nearly as many as Jason would like. Um, we've got pipe, Jason. <laughs> we've got shovels in the ground making these dirt lines, um, unregistered roads, logging roads, and those are useful for exploitation, legal or otherwise, uh, of this land. There's a, there's a lot of like weirdly illegal forestry in Alberta if you look into it. Fun, fun, fun. Oh my god. But for the caribou, the problem is that these lines allow predators that would otherwise stay outside of their territory to take the highway. To just, like, run along this line and end up in places they wouldn't otherwise. It's the the predator freeway, essentially. No tolls allowed. Just like... Yeah. yeah. I see, I see. Um, Because these caribou don't migrate. They aren't leaving uh, to other areas Mm -hmm. in the summer. So they're relying on the forest for protection from predators that would be moving in in their own kind of semi-migratory routes, primarily uh, wolves. Mm-hmm. So this issue then gets incre- incredibly complicated. Um, As all ecology things do, like, n- nothing in this sense is simple. <laughs> yeah, there's... When when you're dealing with an ecosystem level, like, there's, there's so many moving parts, but the... The reason that I'm bringing this up for this show, it is I'm not just trying to give an ecology lecture. Um, it, I'm I'm I found a lot, a lot of articles from kind of the time leading into uh, the campaign for the Alberta provincial election, where mm-hmm. uh, you can almost you can see the NDP government's um, stance on this issue shift as the election comes closer. You can like watch it happen. Uh, by the oh, archived really? articles. Mm. So NDP never really was pro-caribou. Uh, most governments haven't been. Um, it's really probably pretty expensive and time-consuming to save these guys because they are needing vast tracts of woods that don't have any sort of roads through them, that don't have any sort of line going through them. Yeah. Or, or and this is where it gets like conservationally confusing, you can just kill all the wolves, which is what the BC is doing. Um, See, this was my immediate response: was like, "I'll just fucking kill all the wolves, eh?" Yeah, you could kill all the wolves. That won't that won't have any issues. No, 
No, none at all. You won't say then have a massive boom of moose populations that will noticeably increase like road fatalities. <laughs> that wouldn't happen. <laughs> Killing every Albertan going into BC. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the simple solution that that then has the like downstream effect of you know it's yeah. like um, the old lady that swallowed the fly then swallowed a wolf trap and then had to swallow a bunch of like moose tranquilizer. Um, <laughs> the the classic tale, the nursery rhyme. Yeah, the classic, the classic nursery rhyme. Yeah, we all we all know and love. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think this is something that like oftentimes is hard to convey and is also oftentimes easily like not considered is like the complexity of like any sort of ecosystem you're dealing with. Oh yeah, yeah. It's almost as if we should just allow like some sort of ecosystem invisible hand to take care of everything and not intervene. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Uh, you're not the only one who thinks that because, um, you know, some people are saying that we should just do uh, industry-led caribou uh, recovery initiatives, and that's going to work. So we should have a, a, a caribou startup to disrupt the caribou ecosystem. We'll call it... From the inside. We'll call it curb. I, I was thinking it'll be called moose with no S's just because it's, like, really wrong. So, meh. just M S E. Yeah, great, great ideas all around. But uh, mm. okay, so I'm, we'll, we'll I'm getting, I'm getting kind of, I'm getting kind of sidetracked just by how uh, complex this. Is. So, with Alberta specifically, um, the NDP was mandated by Sarah, the the federal act, to at least look into this. To at least yeah. like kind of consider a plan to save the woodland caribou uh there are legal precedents that the federal government can if they view the provinces as not doing enough they can step in and do emergency measures to put in their own plan just to uh to safeguard the caribou it's kind of like the carbon tax actually literally what my mind immediately went to yeah yeah very similar and because uh, it's that exact sort of um structure that exact sort of legal structure the provinces generally speaking are pretty antsy to make their own plan because the federal government Mm -hmm. whatever plan it comes up with will uh apparently you have to assume it'll just dick them i i don't know why they're assuming that the federal plan will dick them but i guess it will i think that's that's just standard provincial like affairs bullshit like never trust the federal government uh if they're stepping on your jurisdiction like they're going to be doing it wrong like it's states rights it was about states rights it's all about states rights exactly yeah so saskatchewan i found a i found an uh, article about um how saskatchewan was doing a decent job this is from the prince albert daily herald uh that's um, the Saskatchewan government was kind of like, I mean, they're, they've got a pretty pro Saskatchewan, uh, slant being from Saskatchewan, but they're rightly saying that the Saskatchewan government is actually doing something about this. They are, mm-hmm. um, surveying land and perhaps, uh, it's, this is all very wishy-washy still, but it's better than what Alberta did. Nothing. Um, so surveying mm-hmm. land and kind of saying, okay, maybe this land will be a protected park, uh, for caribou. Great. Meanwhile, the NDP government uh, does this. NDP suspends caribou conservation plan, calls on federal government for cash infusion. Edmonton. So the very idea. What a limp dick response. (laughs) So they they not only do nothing, but they say if we want 
to, if you want us to do something, you have to hand us bushels of cash uh, to do it. For fuck's sakes. So the NDP suspended portions of its caribou protection plan. Again, nothing. A non-existent <laughs> plan. Uh, suspended parts of the plan Monday, called on the federal government to step up on the file, citing a $1 billion price tag over the next four decades. What? Yeah. So, apparently, because we'll have to spend uh, $1 billion over 40 fucking years, um, this is completely undoable. We can't do it. Uh, it's just completely insane to think that we could. Um, so oh, my God. The, uh, so, the provincial environment and parks minister shannon phillips at the time this was written in march last year environment and parks minister shannon phillips sent a letter uh to Catherine mckenna um about this issue and pretty much up front requested 50 million dollars immediately to just survey the land to survey the land and look and consider if we're going to protect the caribou cost 50 million dollars oh boy oh boy so this this is going bad fast yeah (laughs) yeah um then a a later article uh in global um from may of last year says that they did indeed get some money i wasn't able to find uh a number i wasn't able to secure whether or not they got the the 50 million they asked for yeah um but i wouldn't be surprised because well Apparently, we can just whine and whine and whine enough. I mean, the the federal environment minister wanted to get this done, so I guess she had the resources to throw around to get it done and deal with the diaper-shitting provi- provincial governments. I mean, you have to, like... It, it's like a cost-benefit thing. Like, if the, if the problem is coming in this hard, like, they're going to make a big stink about it. Like, it's probably just more convenient just to, like, fucking give them a little bit of, of the fucking money and let it be gone with. But I'm, I'm assuming that, since the fact that you're talking about this, that it didn't either pan out that well or well is, like, still up in the air? Uh, the, yeah, it's, it's absolutely still up in the air. Nothing's been done. Um, so as oh. I, was, I was searching for a more recent article, the most recent article I can find on this is, is from May of last year. So n- so little has been done that there hasn't even been an article written on it. The, the one from Saskatchewan saying that Saskatchewan is leading the way in kind of wishy-washy starting to set things out, that was from the 29th of April of this year. Oh. So, so nothing. Jack shit has Absolutely happened. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing has happened, and these herds of caribou are continuing to diminish. The development uh, projects were getting applied literally constantly um, in these areas, in, in these boreal forest zones. Um, statistics from University of Alberta studies uh, on caribou biodiversity are putting, I believe it was 60 to 80 percent of these herds ha- are d- either declining or um risking total uh like loss um oh my god so yeah we're doing we're doing great my take-home thing on this we complain yeah. about jason kenny we've done that every single episode every episode we've complained it's, about it's kenny in some pastime. case it's a very easy way to, to bring up something because he's really dumb at multiple different things <laughs> yeah. but good god the, this is the a perfect example of how the the notley ndp were just 
limp-wristed, like completely bowing to industry, and then that oh, didn't save them. Yeah. It, it didn't save them because they were still, no matter what they did, they were perceived as these left-wing eco-nuts, and by God, they should have actually done something. They should have fucking done it, exactly. I <laughs> if mean, they were going to be is, perceived that way, you could have at least done something. Like, it's it's just baffling that... Like, I, th- I think this is actually a very good like a case study in... in, in the bullshittery of, of the Alberta NDP because so yeah, the pipeline bullshit, like, of, yeah, they, they were bad on that, but there's like strong political pressure in the province. You can make excuses as to why they, they had did, did what they did, but then you have a, a case like this where there's good reason and there's no strong opposition to this, except for like corporate corporate interests. Yes. Yeah, and they still don't do it. Yeah. Well, and they still, and they still fucking like, succumb to it because oh you know you gotta look up for the businesses you know you gotta look up for corporations yeah what about what about the bottom line what about it's, it's another thing, thing that, that i came like, across what, what is the actual impact this would have actually had on these corporations is just like some actual rules wherewithal for them to like that they'd have to follow like jesus christ yeah like, some some protected land among the I, I don't know the, the surface area of Alberta off the top of my head, but it's a very large place. There are it's plenty, very large. There are plenty of places to develop, uh, and the and caribou people, people, protection would not have taken up that much space. And people people think that Alberta is a primarily prairie province, but it's actually, like, I think from, like, what, halfway up the province all the way to the very north of the province, it's all boreal forest. Yeah, yeah, and that... It's an exceptionally forested province. Yeah, and it's just, it is getting pretty uh extensively exploited that forest um yeah now just to kind of make sure that we come away uh (laughs) agreeing with with uh your friendly house here in case you're worried about uh are these caribou actually that useful um and well they're woodland caribou what does that even mean what does it matter to uh conserve a subspecies that's actually an argument i've heard from um some ecologists uh these these caribou are intensely sensitive to uh, environmental change, like the building of these linear structures, the, the roads, the pipelines. They're, they're sensitive to the first steps of habitat degradation. They're the first to go. So they're what we call a sort of indicator species. They're showing that they're like the there's something changing. The, the coal mine. Exactly, exactly. It's the canary in the coal mine showing that the boreal forests are changing and that we are changing them and that they are changing for the worse. So if you care about the environment in Alberta, I mean, you might not even live in Alberta, I don't know, but this is just a, a, a case study in um, any sort of any sort of sweeping uh, environmental protection. These things do matter. These, these exactly. subspecies, these populations, they do matter. They've been here for hundreds of thousands of years. Um, they are adapted to very specific climate conditions, and they're adapted to very specific ecological conditions. And if we can prevent those conditions from being drastically changed, then, then we should, because that means that other things won't change with them. Exactly. And I, f- I feel like especially nowadays in the world that we're living in and, and the future that we see ahead of us, the more we let governments off with bad environmental policy, it's just going to all come back to bite us in the ass. It's it's time to like fucking pressure these, these governments to actually do right because like 
like back in the day, like you'd always be concerned about, oh, you know, like the starving uh, polar bears, and oh, what will we do if the if the bison die? Yada yada yada. There are actual fucking stakes in the game. Like, yeah, these these species matter, and they matter because first of all, they matter themselves, but also because this is a fucking trend that we're following, and if we don't like pay attention and don't start doing shit right now, we're all fucked. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I think probably like why why did we have uh wildfires that were quite as bad as we did last summer and were projected to have uh bad wildfires this summer again i think mm-hmm. that the disturbance that is um messing up the caribou is probably a contributing factor in that too and if we're looking to do the old uh diversifying the economy making alberta be something other than oil this huge forest that takes up half of our province is probably a great thing to look at and to use in a responsible manner. If we're going to mm-hmm. use it, though, it has to still kind of, you know, be there and yeah, be yeah. what it was, be useful as it was. Exactly. No, this this is a very great point you brought up. I'm, I've, I've not given it nearly as much consideration as I should have, and this is, yeah... Yeah, that's my eco-warrior for the week. Um, caribou yeah. are important. Excellent. Woodland caribou are important. Subspecies of animals are important. Uh, at the end of the day, every single caribou that we're saving is much more importantly, we're saving the unique gut flora that are inside of that uh, caribou. Who knows oh, how yes. many nematode species are inside of the intestine of every single uh, woodland caribou, and we will lose them, just like we lost the unique louse species that... Grows on the California condor. They're gone. Oh, I'm They're so gone. sorry, Keith. We miss all those little bugs in our guts. They help us do everything. We love them. We love them. Poor boys. It's, uh... <laughs> so, on... In that kind of um, realm of things, Keith, I've got a take as well that's also kind of eco-related. Yeah, it's our green episode. It's our very, it's our very, very green episode. It's our bright green episode here. Thank you. This this episode is sponsored by uh, Elizabeth May. Uh, thank you very much, Liz. We appreciate it. Um, She's riding her tricycle all over these audio files. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We are truly um, tainted by her her green green <laughs> Wi-Fi energy. <laughs> oh no, is she allergic to Wi-Fi? Oh boy. Uh that's 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 an old green thing. I'm not sure if they still are. Oh, <laughs> uh, they're sometimes a joke. All right. So, I've been scouring the Globe and Mail for all of their trashy trashy opinions, and Ooh. something that I've noticed is all of their worst opinions are hidden behind a paywall. Oh, show God. them, you cowards. Globe and show Mail. them to me. We need the content. I'm not going to pay you 99 cents a week. If I'm not paying Chapo for their content that I genuinely enjoy, Globe and Mail, you damn well better not be making me pay. You do not get my money, Globe and Mail. So I had to... There were some bad opinions that I just gleaned from headlines in the editorial section. But unfortunately, I I couldn't get any of those because I'm not a fucking narc. You know, pays for media. Guess the take. That would that would be an interesting little sec- oh, segment. Oh. <laughs> but let's so, see. No, what do you got? So this, what do you got? So this one's an editorial. It's from the editorial board of the Globe and Mail. Which whenever that something's from the editorial board from like a major news corporation, you know it's going to be very very bad. 
Uh, I think those, essentially, those guys are completely intellectually independent. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I really love it when an article that's like poised as an, op- as an opinion doesn't have any names on it. Ooh. I really love that. Trustworthy. Yeah, it's very trustworthy. It's very open. Um, op- open letter to Global Mail. Fucking cowards. <laughs> um, so this article, article in quotation marks, is uh, titled, No, You Don't Have to Choose. Canada should say yes to both the carbon tax and pipelines. I mean... Back in that middle of the road. Oh, Hmm. you're not wrong, but I don't like you. (laughs) So this article is essentially, like, pro-pipeline. Like, carbon tax, like... And and this is not a pro-environmentalism article at all, like, in any sense. It's it's very much like a pro... this This was written by conservatives, and it's all about, you know, pipelines are good and carbon taxes are also good, but they're good because they essentially have no effect. I really, I really hope that it's just kind of assuming that pipelines are a natural, inevitable good. That's what I'm looking for. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they, oh, just, just wait. They, we love talking about how, you know, if we don't have this pipeline, then where's the oil going to come from? <laughs> Ooh. And so they start off by saying, you know, Canada can cut greenhouse gas emissions while building pipelines. Which, like, as a statement in and of itself, like, isn't false, yeah. I don't think. It's but, like, theoretical. it's setting this... It's theoretical, exactly. And everything that's being shown so far is that actually, like, you know what? No, like, succumbing to, like, these these pro-industry, like, pipelines and stuff will not at all allow us to cut pipelines and uh, greenhouse emissions. In fact, we probably aren't as we stand right now, so more oil and gas is probably not going to help us. Yeah. (sighs) And then they follow up by saying, you know, Canada can lower greenhouse gas emissions while allowing the oil industry to grow. And Canada can enjoy... And this is actually... This sentence I agree with. Canada can enjoy a vibrant economy while cutting greenhouse gas emissions. Yes. 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 But it doesn't have to be based on oil. Yeah. Diversifying the economy. Like, green tech and green energy is, like, one of the richest veins of potential employment and economic boom right now. And this is the bullshit that we've been seeing. This is what we saw a lot in the in the uh, provincial election, was this bullshit um, uh, dichotomy between the economy and things that are good for the economy versus things that aren't good for the economy and social issues and stuff. And you and I were talking about this recently, especially when it comes to things like oil and gas and, and, and the environmental policy, where people just assume that because a policy uh, does not f- wholeheartedly like support oil and gas and instead supports like other forms of, uh, of, of energy development, that that is inherently uneconomical. Right, yeah, yeah, it's, it's anti-prosperity um, if it's anti-oil. Th- yes, or things that cost a lot of money on the get-go are anti-prosperity, right. despite the fact that we subsidize the oil and gas industry billions and billions of dollars. Like, it's just this double thing that's infuriating that people just cannot wrap their head around. No, those those uh, subsidies those subsidies create money. They they print money. It's a it's an investment that pays for itself. Exactly. Um, all right, so. They say that, you know, a toothless carbon reduction plan paired with pipeline paralysis is what we're experiencing right now. Yeah. Um, but, and, <laughs> yes, that's exactly what's happening. But they say that more greenhouse gas emissions paired with a hamstruck oil industry leads to less environmental progress 
Sorry, this fucking article is written so badly. <laughs> less environmental progress and less economic prosperity. So it's a lose-lose situation, essentially. Right. Yeah, but, I, I yeah. believe I described the, um, the carbon tax as a quarter measure. Like, just basically it's nothing. It's next yeah. to nothing. Like, the, the cap that they have on emissions right now is above the current emissions that are being emitted on the yearly basis. Yeah. So that's not a cut. That's that's not a cap. That's just a, okay, guys, I mean, I guess in the next 12 weeks, try to not eat six more Big Macs than usual. Can you do it? Can you manage that? And especially, so if we need to, like, reduce our climate, our, our emission standards by, like, what, is it 30% or something for the Paris Accords, and we're not hitting that, and then we put our cap way above that, like, in what world will, it be, will that be effective? It, it isn't. So they say, on the left, pipelines have become a favorite symbolic target and a litmus test of environmental commitment. Yes. All right. A false test. Oh, no. Hmm. Uh, and for the blocking of... And for the block of right-leaning governments from the Rockies to the Gulf of the St. Lawrence, opposition to carbon pricing has been turned into a symbol of support for the economy. All so bad. <laughs> uh, the fact that carbon pricing started its life as a conservative pro-market idea has been thrown down a memory hole. And this is a very important point that they actually bring up here. Oh, absolutely. Is that, yeah, a carbon tax is a market-based solution, solution in quotes, that was like proposed by like, conservative economists as like a way to let the market deal with with climate change and to deal with with emission standards and whatnot oh yeah it's totally it's totally invisible hand style thing oh exactly like but it's not like it's not actually effective especially when it's being treated the way the liberal government is treating and other and other um governments in canada are treating it right now which is just like as a as they rightly fully point out like a symbolic measure it's not strong enough mm-hmm. yeah not nearly and I just, I just don't know if I'd ever thought of that before. That totally explains why it's such a nothing solution. Cause, yes. Because it is entire. Uh, the puzzle pieces are falling together in my head. I, <laughs> I am that gif of the math floating past. Yes, exactly. Wait, wait a second. Car- carbon taxes, uh, uh, emissions caps, invisible hand. <laughs> no. If you, if you want to like. There's some really excellent um, conversations about this in, in a in a podcast that I enjoy. Like we listen to the Alberta Advantage, mm-hmm. where they essentially talk about how the carbon tax, as it stands, especially the federal carbon tax, is just a bunch of bullshit that does not manage to do anything actually environmentally related. Um, so check that out if you want to. Yeah. Um, they they go on talking about how they the BC has a, has a decent carbon. They had the first carbon tax and it was actually quite good. Um, but then they're 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 complaining here, saying that um, the ND, the the, new, the BC NDP, uh, which has a carbon pricing a carbon tax, um, is doing something practical about the environment without harming the economy. You know, hmm. uh, so why why in God's name are they trying to block the Trans Mountain expansion? I wonder. I I can't yeah. possibly imagine why. Um, and, from and a... they say, <laughs> oh, sorry, go on. They, they say, I, I might take the wind out of your sails here, they say, well, <laughs> it's certainly not a carbon reduction strategy. Uh, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to 
I'm gonna. I have a point that I'm gonna get to, but I want to get to the end of this next paragraph because it kind of like this is where the article really becomes trash. Got it. Um, so even if one, even if not one drop of Alberta oil crossed the Rockies, people in BC's lower mainland and the rest of the province would still be driving millions of gasoline-powered vehicles. BC oh. is not some kind of oil-free zone. Oh, so those you who live in parked a their SUV at the anti-pipeline protest can attest to this. Uh, oh no, no, no! Oh, I see that you live in a society. Oh, you <laughs> criticize the society. Then why do you participate in the society? Uh, uh, I'm inviting you to uh, our anti-capitalism rally sent from my iPhone. <laughs> Got him. Totally owned. They've been completely shut down. Um, a certain BC resident, though, uh, I was going to say, a certain BC resident I'm quite familiar with um, mm-hmm, has mm-hmm. Uh, carefully informed me. Um, a lot of people in BC, the uh, the opposition to pipeline expansion is because of the concern that they have that it will ruin uh, big sections of their economy um, that rely on tourism and fishing. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, it might not be in a lot of people's mind. It might not be a carbon reduction initiative. Probably isn't at all. But well, it's that's... more complicated than anyways. These oh, things yeah, are more sure. complicated than the zero sum situation that that articles like this try to present. And it's it's incredibly frustrating because this like they always form this um this narrative at like in the very like in a very myopic view of like, well, you know, if you don't get our oil from us, then you're not going to get our, where are you going to get our oil from? But this is like, that's a false narrative because the, the, this pipeline is not meant to like increase the consumption of oil of BC. Right. It's for export. Yeah. That's why it's going to make us millions of, of job bucks that can then be converted into jobs at your local uh, job market. Your job market. But like, this is, this is crude oil. That isn't staying in BC. In fact, it's probably just going to be shipped down the coast through the Panama Canal and back to Houston to be refined. Oh God, really? Like, that's that sucks. Yeah, that's, <laughs> because because, well, because like China doesn't, have, from what I understand. No, people correct me if I'm wrong, but I do not think they have at least now the refineries capable of refining bitumen. Not the not in large enough quantities to make it worth the yeah. time to ship the, the crew to them. No. Across the fucking Pacific. Yeah. yeah. And so this whole like idea of, oh, you know, well, if they don't take our oil, where are they going to get their oil from? Saudi Arabia? Yeah, oh, God, I hope so. Which, and that is, that is a whole other like can of worms that I don't even want to fucking touch. I, I think that, uh, m- the, the, the mayor of, um, oh, oh God, what it, Burbank? Nope, that's not it. Burnaby. Burnaby. I'm, I'm gonna get beat up for that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you you will be uh, flanked. <laughs> the uh, the mayor of Burnaby is going to uh, go over to uh, Saudi Arabia and touch the orb, and th- I I predict oh. this. I think we're going to see a wonderful, wonderful Twitter picture of a lot of local BC government officials <laughs> caressing the orb, kissing the orb. Gazing into the orb, it's going to be wonderful. Lost in the orb, steely gaze. It's a beautiful wow. orb. Look, folks, I know orbs, and that's not a suspicious orb. That is not. That's a very natural looking orb. Um, yeah. So th- this is kind of the entire like realm that kind of put this article into at this point. Um, 
So they say that opposition to, to pipelines often gets falsely invoked as a symbol of carbon reduction enlightenment. And then they say, like, oh, no, yeah, it's, it's because oil blocked from one source, as we said, gets, be, gets replaced by another. Right. Which isn't, but like, which probably is true, but like we've said, that's it's not true, what like, this is about. It's not what it's about, exactly. <laughs> it's just, it's being set up entirely as this, like, once again, like, if you're against the pipeline, you're against the economy. But, like, being pro-oil, in my mind, at this point of the game, is, like, long-term being against the economy and being against, like, having a, a province that's not going to essentially turn into, like, a fucking flyover state. Like, Oh, yeah, it's supporting a if dying industry. This, this fucking oil is dying. Like, leave it in the fucking ground, get a move on, and... We are in such a... Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm from fucking Quebec. But you are in such a resource-rich province. Not for long. Like, it's the it's the sunniest province in the entire... In all of North America. It's one of the sunniest places in, in all of North America. It has incredible wind power. It has bountiful fields for, for farming. Like, there is good stuff that can be done in this province. Why does it, why's it got to be oil? Yeah, the boreal forest, like I was talking about earlier. That is an yeah. incredibly resource-rich area. There is some really, really cool... Um, I don't really want to say new research. It's more like just understanding what the hell was going on before what, uh, people What is a up. forest? Um, understanding how, how native groups actually use this land to produce yeah. huge amounts of food out of pretty undisturbed forest. Mm-hmm. And it's just... it's. It is, so it would be not too... I mean, okay, it'd be a huge project, but it wouldn't be that tough to get a lot of Albertans into into other sectors, into other into other jobs. Um, the big man of the avenues, friend of the show, uh, sent mm-hmm. me a link recently, um, and it was a bunch of uh, oil sector workers who were being interviewed. I think it was... It was global again. I seem to be getting all my sources from global. Mm-hmm. And it was these people talking about how, uh, you know, it's it's uh, Jason Kenney's only been in office for, for a few days, but these people are already, like, kind of expectantly being like, well, where's the, where's the job? Where's the economy? Why hasn't the economy yeah. started back up again? Kind of stubbornly refusing to leave this dying, dying industry. And that is disheartening it is but it's it 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 can't be unexpected because we're in such like a period of like non-consciousness when it comes to like actual like working class struggles and stuff so like yeah the economy is an issue when you rely on a on a on a uh your, your entire income based on a industry that is so like uh, volatile that you're so uncertain as whether or not you're going to like have a job at the end of the month like of course you're going to be very upset when like things go bad but like there's just there's no there's no like no one is telling these people that like actually there are there's a better option there 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 is there are jobs out there that we can that we can support and that we can have and an economy that we can have that is actually fair to everybody where everyone gets a fair shake yeah yeah absolutely i don't i don't want to come across like i'm like i'm blaming those people like i'm i don't want i oh, I, no, I, can, I don't mean like them. oh they're stupid oil workers why aren't they doing something else it is more like there there's been a purposeful miseducation like a lack yeah. of education about how differently we can uh run this province how how different the economy could look and 
Exactly. It's it's uh, it's yeah, like I said, it's it's disheartening. It's I and we're going to just have UCP in charge for a while, so it's going to continue. No, one, they're not going to. I'll look into this sort of thing. Yeah, and it certainly doesn't seem like the NDP seems to be interested in attacking on all that sort of things. If if any if they go with the same kind of strategy they've had for uh, the election for the last four years, like it's just more of this like bullshit um, uh, dichotomy between between like the economy and social issues. Like is this false narrative? Yeah. And and like we've people of Alberta have lived under like uh, at this point it'll it'll end up being like forty eight years of conservative uninterrupted no, almost uninterrupted conservative rule by the time the UCP is done uh, with this with this round and like they've been their minds have been poisoned so I talked to like my <laughs> family who who are in many ways like very like progressive but they've lived throughout like the world of like oh you know it's all about like the bottom line essentially so like the for example like the ralph klein years where you know you had to like you know make some cuts and you know oil's not doing so well so you know what are we gonna do we're gonna blow up fucking hospitals and all this shit like it's people have been have drinking the kool-aid and there's been no one on the other side to actually provide any sort of decent other narrative that someone can like grab onto Mm, yep and i think that's the biggest issue that we have here right now bringing it back to my friend the caribou uh, <laughs> for a moment that that's yeah. another thing that i that i spotted as i was doing my research um interviews of of locals saying well quite reasonably saying well we haven't had uh, a properly funded hospital in this region for so long why are we focusing on this animal why are we focusing on this caribou and that's fair we, yeah. we should be um making sure that that like the working folks of this province are properly like socially provided for because we have the resources because Alberta's research ri- resource rich uh, to tie it up it's Ooh, it's sorry. it's it's the richest province in the country like per capita yeah like <laughs> like it's we shouldn't have to choose capitalism folks it's it's not good yeah not even once folks it's not good um again to tie it off i found this while you were uh while you were chatting your take um i did find a more recent oh, so you were listening to me very very carefully i was, I was. <laughs> <laughs> look it was it was i was on the edge of my seat during this fucking caribou take okay you brought to me we live in a society <laughs> anyway <laughs> um, so a more recent article uh First Nations environmental groups take legal action to protect endangered Alberta caribou. So you remember, mm. the SARA uh, legislation gives the federal environment minister power to uh, to do emergency measures if they feel the provincial uh, system isn't doing enough. So these First Nation groups and um, some environmental... Let's see, I want to get some names on this. Uh, okay. We've got Melissa Gorey of EcoJustice acting on behalf Ooh. of the David Suzuki Foundation, Alberta Wilderness Association, and the uh, apologies per, for pronunciation, Mikasu and Athabaca, Athabasca Chippewayan First Nations. So, those groups uh, working together are submitting, and this was published late January of this year. They are submitting um, so a proposal to. Uh, Catherine McKenna uh, to engage those emergency measures. So there are things being done, but not by the government. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that I'm surprised because this is what it's going to come down to. Um, smarter podcasts than us have said this 
better. I think that's going to be one of our slogans. Uh, but <laughs> like <laughs> grassroots movements of people are just so, 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 so much more important and so much more useful uh, when it comes to things like this than relying on government to do it for you. They're always going to disappoint. Always. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So actually, so I think we should wrap up soon, but I want to, I want to plug. Um, so I've been, since, since all this shit's been going on, I've been getting more and more involved in, uh, on Twitter at least with uh, people who are actually kind of like doing something good, not just hosting a podcast, but actually organizing. Oh, damn. Oh, and, wild. And one person, one person that I've, that's come across, that I've come across recently is named Emma Jackson on Twitter. And she, what's the, what what's the handle? Is, Drop the handle. Uh, Emma, Emma Jackson 57. Uh, and she is uh, involved in a lot of groups, and specifically um, some labor groups, and and uh, and a group in Edmonton called uh, Climate Justice Edmonton. And these are the exact types of um, of grassroots organizations that we that you're talking about. In fact, this one currently has a GoFundMe going on right now to fund a war room to combat Jason Kenney's anti-environment war room. Nice. All right. Which is fantastic. And they currently have so they're they're funding right now, and they're at fourteen thousand dollars out of a thirty thousand dollar goal. Oh, not bad. How much time? Which left? is like hella impressive. Um, it's on GoFundMe. I have no idea. And we'll link in the description. Probably a bit. Um, if you want to toss something their way, that'd be awesome. Um, helping out local Alberta environmentalists, which are a thing. Um, you, there mm-hmm. are Alberta environmentalists, uh, and they, they need... They are they not just foreign-funded entities. No, no, they're not. As, as Kenny would like you to think. Yeah, yeah. Alberta-born people who have lived in Alberta their whole lives are environmentalists. Suck at Jason Kenny. The charge on this. Take yeah, that to yeah. your who? war room. I hope you're in your war room. I hope you're scared, Jason. I hope you're ready, because we're coming for you. We're coming for you. Battle of Winterfell gonna happen this week <laughs> this week oh well uh, i didn't we're putting, we're putting a date down i felt right. i had momentum there i'm and i lost it i'm sorry <laughs> no no i've already i've already notified jason's uh his people all right uh, all right put it I'll, in the google I'll, I'll calendar put my right now yeah put in the calendar <laughs> the podcast calendar uh all right well let's, let's wrap up now so um keith if people want to find you on the internet how can they do that yeah, for sure. If you're interested in uh, me retweeting other people's uh, content and never posting it myself, you can find it me at N-O-D-J-K-Q-R uh, on Twitter, on Tumblr, on um, Chatterbait, on, on any sort of internet <laughs> yeah, service. Oh, <laughs> uh, how about yourself, Chase? Fuck you so much. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and other things at uh, Chase T. Clark, um, where I will yell at other people like politicians and former failed candidates and then get absolutely no likes and retweets and just still feel really good at myself for the radical praxis that I do mm. in this nation. Real reply guy so. hours. <laughs> Exactly, and of course, then there's the uh, the official podcast account uh, at cyt pod, um, and that'll be uh, clips and uh, episode links, and uh, at this point, probably not much else than that. We'll see. Yeah, but hopefully, in the future, we'll get some good good shit going. All right. So with that, I think we can probably sign off uh, as casually as always. Uh... Cool it off. Don't let those takes get too spicy. All right.
Talk to you next time. All right, see you guys. Bye. Bye.